experience the spiritual challenges of truly knowing who God is. They hear things they don't understand sometimes. There's much false teaching as there was in the early days of the church, and there is now. So one of the, the things is to overcome the false teachings that they hear, and that's one of the benefits we hear from the pastors. They said the more we hear the truth of the Bible, the more we understand what is right. It impacts us. It changes us. We're seeing transformation in our lives and the lives of the people around us as we understand what God is teaching us. It's time for another edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, and welcome to our program today. I'm Byron Tyler. Always a pleasure to get together with all kinds of variety of guests that we're able to present on our show. We appreciate our Bot Radio Network listeners. Let me also remind you that this program is available on iTunes Podcast under Mid-South Viewpoint or Byron Tyler Radio. Please go and you can listen to previous programs, and you can also subscribe to the iTunes program so you can keep up with the variety of interview guests that we bring to the program each week. Today, I'm really looking forward to visiting with Bob and Barb James. They're with a ministry called One with God Ministries. Bob, Bar- Barb, good to see you today. <laughs> You're trying to tongue-tie yeah, me. You know, know, what is this? Those bees thing, I guess. Makes it easy, I think. <laughs> so originally, you guys are not from the Memphis area, I assume. Is that right? Yeah, so generally let people know by the way we talk, but we are from Wisconsin, Iowa. Barb grew up in Iowa, but we've lived for 46 of our 49 married years in Wisconsin and uh does that make you Packer fans? Yes. Okay, definitely. We still so are. You were cheeseheads. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, it's funny. I, I told you before we got on the air today that our family were missionaries on the island of Guam back in the mid-90s. There was a young man who led our music. He was actually in the Navy, but he led our worship on Sunday mornings. Hmm. And he was a cheesehead. And I think that was the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Oh. He wore this big oh. cheesehead to church yeah. with his Packer jersey on, you know? So. Yeah. You guys are diehard fans for the most part. Well, we follow them, but yeah. I wouldn't say we're diehard. But <laughs> <Okay. laughs> so more fun. important mm-hmm. things than that. <laughs> Is that where you guys met, Barb, in Wisconsin? No, we met at Luther College in Iowa, freshman year of college. Quite a while ago. <laughs> so what was your intentions in going, trying to find a husband? Or? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. no, I didn't go to find one, but I had assumed that when you go to college, you're going to find one. And it was yeah. important for me to be married to a godly man. I say that jokingly because my wife and I attended Mid-South Bible College. And jokingly, they used to call it Mid-South Bridal College, you know, <laughs> yeah. because oftentimes when you go into ministry school, yeah. you know, two hearts coming together, yes. joined by God, it yes. can happen. Is that right? Well, yeah. well, it did. We didn't intend for that, but God brought us together. We just look back at our lives, and it's just very clear we were made for each other. It was God's intention to draw us to each other. And it's, you know, the biblical concept of he brought the woman to the man as he did Eve to Adam and he certainly brought Barb to me. I wasn't looking for a bride and she wasn't looking for a husband, (laughs) but we came together and it came to a point early on in our relationship that we recognized that it was really important that we stayed together, that we were married at the age of 19 because we believe that this was what God had intended for us. We didn't know what that meant. We just felt God's presence in that, and we felt that if we went our separate ways, that it wouldn't be what was in the plans. And it was just like these, wow, God, are you kidding me? I'm only 19 years old. (laughs) And it was just, uh, but God has just just used us in some remarkable ways. It's been a wonderful journey, and we're looking forward to seeing what's next each day almost. I love that enthusiasm, really, because there's so many couples today that face pressures of life. And I guess if your priority 
goal first isn't focused on the same one like yes. Jesus Christ right. and his mission that's correct then you're going to have a lot of diversity of problems you know you're going to have a lot of issues i guess bar when you say that's right yes our focus being on the lord is not always knowing what's going to happen or how it's going to happen yet um with age i think i've come to realize that i'm going to miss out on something big if we don't do what god tells us to do and go where he sends us and yeah. it's just been really exciting to um the doors he has opened for us the people we've met the opportunities we've been given all by the grace of god two children six grandchildren is That's that right correct, yes they live here in town too you guys actually live in the arlington area of our yes mm-hmm. right. we yeah. moved here to be with our family okay and god blessed us for that opportunity so they were already here they were here bob mm-hmm. did you move to memphis to go on staff with the church no is that not that's not why you came no actually i was a pastor in a church in uh, wisconsin uh, i'm uh, 67 years old i began going to seminary when i was 50 uh was approved for ministry when i was uh, 55 so it's been about 12 years of ministry that i've done officially but we did a church plant in madison wisconsin met in a movie theater and all that business for a few years. And, you know, here we are, these older people trying to do this. But it was something I didn't want to do, but God said, go do that. So back up just a second now, the calling on your life to be a pastor later in life, prior to this calling, what were you doing? Well, I worked for a publication company in Milwaukee called Ryman Publications. We published Taste of Home magazine, Quick Cooking, Country Woman, those kinds of magazines. We had subscribers around the country. I worked for... My wife was one of them. (laughs) I always run into people who are so... was there. So what I did, I did a, a good deal of writing, which the Lord was preparing, using that for what we're doing now. And I did a good deal of travel. And we were in a travel business and as part of that publishing company. So I traveled the world, essentially, which is another preparation for where we are right now, too. God so has moved in our lives. In, in your faith heritage, where did that begin? Through your family growing up? Was yes. that later in life, too? Or? Well, very early on, people ask me this. And we go back to the power of parents and parenting and, and sharing. God's word, but the first time I remember purposefully hearing that Jesus loves me is from my mother, and that came at home, came at a Sunday school, and I grew up in a Methodist church in a small town in southwestern Wisconsin, grew up on a farm. We were dairy farmers and beef farmers, and uh, around family, all kinds of family people around there, you know, the church was our family, literally blood relations. When I was about 12 years old in 1963, uh, we had this incredible minister who had been a missionary in Australia, and he had such an evangelistic outpouring in his soul. It's very important that he, he preached the gospel and he preached salvation. And I remember he would invite teachers in for summer Bible school, and we would have these occasions to confess to the Lord. I still you know, remember that moment in 12 years old, get on your knees and pray to God. And if, you know, that, I really feel that that's the time I was saved. And I was uh, wanted to be intentional for God from that point on. I always haven't been, but I really had this understanding that when the Lord saves, he calls us into something unique and special. And this is our responsibility now. What do we do to respond to the Lord's salvation? Yes. Barb, was your faith journey similar to Bob's? It was quite similar. I was raised with a, a family that knew the Lord and um, loved the Lord and encouraged that in our walk. Something that really stood out to me is that when I was six years old, we did have a missionary come to our church and share with us and share that our purpose in life was to love the Lord and to make him known and where to tell everyone. So my best friend and I used to round up the kids in our neighborhood. We lived in a populous area. We had about 100 to 150 children in our neighborhood. 
And here were our first grade girls, and we would invite them in with the leftover Sunday school pamphlets from the day before (laughs) and um, have them read it, and we would teach them. But that came to an end, but it always stayed in my heart what they had taught me and who I was to be telling others. And God is so gracious. When I was 56 years old, my first time in Africa, I had the picture of the children I had seen when I was six years old. And I was teaching 200 children under a tree. They didn't have a church, but they met under a tree. Wow. And I was sharing the gospel of Jesus with them. And it was just this flashback, what God had prepared me for many years before. So I just praise him and thank him for um, his walk, my and, life. <laughs> and sharing the gospel is what One with God Ministries is all about. It's yes. bringing the Bible teachings to impoverished pastors and church leaders who have few resources for learning. Some of these countries in Africa include Kenya, Uganda, Ghana mission. Yes. You guys mm-hmm. traveled to Ghana June, July of last year, 2018. That's right. You preached in four different churches. There was a, a two-day leadership conference. Talk about these trips, Bob. Talk about the model that you see that God has given you for this ministry. I just am excited about how God has formed this because it was in 2012. We were first invited to Kenya by Bishop Chris Lasweti, and he said, we need resources to come and teach these pastors out of poor villages. They have nothing. They don't have a Bible. They may have a sheet of paper that has a little bit of Bible information. So in 2012, we went to Kenya and to Eldoret, Kenya, and we spent four days teaching the Bible to pastors who had come from Uganda. They had come from other places around Kenya. They had come to stay for four days. We just taught three to four sessions a day, about six to eight hours of teaching. And that was the model that we developed at that point. We were invited to Ghana in 2016. We followed the same model. I need time to preach the word. I need time to share and teach these pastors because we go into places. There is no resources. People have no communication outside of their village sometimes. They have a desire in their heart to learn of God. And I tell you, I've had some of the most remarkable experiences Preaching the Word of God, when they hear the Word of God, it's just like a river of life pouring into these people and their response. God has given us this model to go. We preach sometimes two days, sometimes in in Ghana in 2017. We preached at an Easter conference, and we had a 1,000 people there to share, to experience God's benevolent care over them and over us. And so we have these amazing experiences that allow us to personally convey the Word of God that's expanded into Uganda. We go to Kenya now, eight days of teaching. (laughs) This last year we were in Kenya to also teach in small villages. So we taught in Eldoret, Kenya for four days. Then we went into some small villages and taught at churches there. And then we go to Uganda. Barb, what would be a typical home that you would find many of these pastors have when you go into these villages and these towns? In the towns, many of them would have, reminds me of a motel, rooms next to each other, but a room would be their home. And so there might be about four or five homes attached to one another and a central court where they would cook outside. Uh, Many times the homes would have just one room, but they might have uh, a tablecloth or a piece of material dividing the bed. That would be maybe in the cities where we go, but in the villages, they are the mud huts. They're the dirt floors, the holes in the walls, and you have to get the dirt from the floor and put some water with it and patch the hole there. Some are thatched roofs. Many times there's one piece of furniture or a, a, a couch-like that we sit on and maybe a low table, and that's about all they have in their homes. Their kitchens are outside. Maybe it's a separate room. Maybe it's just a fire pit that they cook over. Um, the chickens and such are running there. They're very gracious to us and inviting us into their homes during that time period. 
but they depend on their neighbors. They come together as a community to help feed us and make sure we have plates and such to eat on. And they're very, very gracious people and generous to us. So we're just, we're real humbled. To be invited into someone's home, I think even in our world today, not many of us are invited to one another's homes. We don't gather in homes like we used to. And so it's a a real blessing to be invited into someone's home and to pray for them in their home um, and to pray for their family. And Bob, what about the challenges that you see that these pastors are facing on a daily basis and why a ministry like One with God is such an advantage for them as you travel there? Well, the huge challenge, first of all, is lack of knowledge. If they want to be pastors, they need some form of knowledge. So the challenge is to get the resources to them. And one of the benefits of the fundraising that we do is to provide Bibles. Also, I I produce books. I I self-publish through, now it's Kindle Publishing. Uh, So I produce books that are Bible teaching. So actually, some of them get my teachings every day because I create an email every day, some scripture, and then an exposition of the scripture, about a one-page email that I send out to pastors in Africa and all over. This is a, a resource that we compile and we put them together into books. And also I produce teaching books for them. Out of that, they have formed a Bible school. So they come together and they overcome some of these challenges of lack of material through the resources that we send to them. And that's basically what I do almost every day is write to produce materials for teaching the Bible. The other huge issue is poverty. Pastors have little opportunity to work. I encourage them to to work, to find some way of business, and and their response is, well, there is none. And part of it, I think, is a cultural thing to understand that pastors don't work. They pastor. Well, there has to be some mindset that they need to find a way to support themselves and their families. So the challenge is lack of resources around them. There's very little economic opportunities. There's so much corruption. The, The way of the culture is graft and cheating and lying to one another and overcoming those things is very difficult for a man who wants to follow the ways of God. But it's economics, it's overall health because of disease possibilities, AIDS and HIV and malaria, other forms of plagues are still very serious issues among families and uh, for these pastors and so forth. So it's physical challenges, economic health challenges, and it's the spiritual challenges of truly knowing who God is. They hear things they don't understand. Sometimes there's much false teaching as there was in the early days of the church and there is now. So one of the, the things is to overcome the false teachings that they hear. And that's one of the benefits we hear from the pastors. They said, the more we hear the truth of the Bible, the more we understand what is right. It impacts us. It changes us. We're seeing transformation in our lives and the lives of the people around us as we understand what God is teaching us. So it's working. God is moving. He's using his word. The spirit of God is working through his word to bring change. We talked about challenges. We didn't talk about your challenges. You were talking about writing and producing materials, which spends a lot of time Mm -hmm. reading, writing, looking at computer screens, I'm sure. (laughs) But you're legally blind. Yes, I am. Is that something that happened to you later in life? Well, that's a story that may bring some tears to me, but... uh, in 2000, 2001 was when I really felt God calling me into ministry, and I was kind of testing the waters because I had been doing some preaching, and people said, you missed your calling. And I, you know, it was just kind of this, people kept telling me, you missed your calling. And one day I realized, I don't want to stand before God and have him say, Bob, you missed your calling. 
I called you to this, but you didn't do it, so I, I didn't want that to happen. So I said, okay, Lord, if you really want me to preach and teach in a church, uh, I'll go do this. And so we were living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I was working there, as I said, for a publishing company, and there was opportunity to do night school, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in North Chicago, just a few miles from where we lived. So I began to do that, but at the same time, I began to lose my vision. And... uh yeah, I just uh, use that to show himself more clearly to me because uh, I started classes. And I remember the first semester that I, I had a large print Bible and I could kind of read that. But by the end of that semester, I couldn't even read a large print Bible. It's just like God, God just brought people around me just without my asking. People in class came along beside me and said, well, you know, I've got all these cassettes of the Bible I don't play, so why don't you have them so you can listen? Then uh, I had done, at the workplace where I was at, I had done a Bible study with some other men and some other women. Somebody asked uh, me one time to lead a Bible study. Somebody I didn't even know, and he came and asked me to lead a Bible study. I don't know how that happened. but So we had a Bible study on Wednesdays, uh, studying different parts of the Bible for quite a while in our workplace. But one of the members of that Bible study, his name is Greg, came to me when I started seminary, and he says, you know, we homeschool our, our son, our children, and our oldest son, Eric, has graduated from high school, and we're looking for some community service for him to do. And uh, wow, it's been uh, 18 years, and still... Anyway, um, he said, uh, we have an idea. <laughs> Eric can read your your assignments. And he can read them on the cassette tape, and he can uh, record them for you. And I'll bring the you bring me the assignments and the books. I'll take them home to Eric. He'll record them for you. I'll bring you back the tapes, and you can take them home and listen to them. That's what we did for oh, three years. Oh my goodness! Yeah, this wow. eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen-year-old young man read those theology texts. He read those other texts that were needed, and. To this day, he's still one of the best readers I've ever had. <laughs> and <laughs> oh my uh, and so I would take them home, and I would listen to the cassettes. And, I, you know, with computers, you can make the screens larger and all that. So I would type the notes, and then I could go back and study that way. But that's just what God does. He uh, says, uh, there's nothing that's going to stop you because you're with me. Today, uh, Eric helps support our ministry. <laughs> he has a family and a job. He lives in Georgia, and he's just such a blessing. Well, it just, he's just one of those profoundly God's gifts in my life. Wow. Bob, you know, I was just thinking, and I don't want to misquote, but I know you know the passage where the Apostle Paul had an affliction, yeah. you know, and he yeah. prayed that God would take it away. Yeah, right. And some suspect it was his eyesight. Yeah, you know? we, 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 I can think, you know, based on what he says, it sounds to me like it was, but that's my point. <laughs> exactly, and some believe it was his yeah. eyesight. Yeah. But it was for the purpose that God would manifest his strength, yes. his grace, his glory Absolutely. through that, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it's all about. That's what God's glory. doing here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not all, about me at all. All about that. That's what we get to testify. And as you mentioned, some of the materials you produce, and I want to encourage our listeners and actually see you do daily devotions. Yeah, with God's Word attached to it, and yeah. opens up a good insight there. Yes. And so the website is onewithgod.website. Now I've never heard that extension before, yeah. but it's real. I checked it out. <laughs> so it's a onewithgod.website, and yes. if you go there, you will see an incredible wealth of information 
Thank you. About One with God Ministries. You'll hear input from Barb, and, and you'll see pictures of these precious children yeah. and pastors yeah. in these countries in Africa. Also, the other projects that you've got going on, the Mercy Mission Project. Yes. You want to tell us about that briefly? That started actually in 2012 when we first went to Eldoret, Kenya. One of the things you do when you go to Africa is they will show you with the orphan children. And so we met these children in a small room, about 50 children in a room probably about the size of this office sleeping on a little thin mat. They maybe had some bread and juice for lunch. They had very little. These children were brought to the ministry because their parents had died from AIDS or other issues. We saw these orphans, and we said, well, this is tough. And we went back home, and I was still pastoring a church, and we didn't do too much about it, but we showed these pictures to some people, and some people said, we need to help these orphans. And so it wasn't our intent to do that. But again, God used that. And so out of that first connection with these orphans in Eldoret, Kenya, we um, began to raise a few dollars a month to help feed them. And it was some support, but certainly not what they needed for daily food. And over the years, and through 20. 13, 2014, 2015, this orphanage moved out of Eldoret. They moved to a more rural area because there was land available. They had to move around from place to place based on the rent and really hard conditions still. So in early 2016, I had formed the ministry, One with God, in May of 2015 for the purpose of ministering to one place, Eldoret, Kenya, <laughs> to do that mission conference every year. In uh, 2016, Highland Heights Church came alongside of us and said, how can we feed these orphans? How can we feed these 60 orphans every day? And so from that point on, for three years now, they have been supporting a monthly offering to feed these children daily meals. And you're and, also putting shoes on these children. So from that basic supplying food, then there was a need to have a place they could stay. Because they were moving from place to place and uh, victimized, so to speak, by landowners and renters are always raising rent. And so there was this vision to buy two acres of land in the rural area. God just poured in the funds so we could purchase this land. And so by uh, the end of 2017, the land was there. They'd begun building school orphanage home on this property. And when we came back in November of 2017, we returned from there and said, well, they've had the land and they have uh, the start of a building. Now, what are we going to do? We need to finish that building. We need to drill a well so they can have clean water, and they need a wall around that compound so that they can be protected from all the evil that goes on against children and all the things that happen and just theft the property and so forth. Within four months, we had the funds to do all that. God provided for the finishing of the building, the drilling of the well, the building of the wall, And now there's two acres of land that they're harvesting. They've just begun to harvest their own food, their potatoes and peanuts and other vegetable crops there. They have a cow. (laughs) They have chickens. And and they have the school there. They're beginning an egg incubation business so that they can sell hatchlings to local people so that they can receive some income. They're starting a business. So that's the physical. And we've done something similar in Ghana. We helped purchase a a new four-wheel drive truck to drive through these terrible roads and very difficult circumstances that you find where these villages are. To haul food, we're feeding some 600 children in Ghana on a monthly basis. 
because God has provided when we have asked and we have gone to places. We live in a place where we don't really know a lot of people. We moved here four years ago, and God is just using people around us like nobody's business. It's just like wow. they're just pouring into our ministry and, and people back home in Wisconsin and people around the country. It's just a remarkable thing. So we're taking care of some of the physical things that are necessary. We're feeding the hungry. We're helping them to have a safe place to be. Our vision goes into providing what we call Christian impact centers in the future. We're, we're hoping in this in the next few months to finish a church in Ghana, to build a new church at Mercy Mission that would be an education center and a Christian center, and in Ghana too. Well, we sure like to build a couple schools. Uh, wow. We just really want to see that happen. You just cannot believe the circumstances these children live in. It's just awful. Bob, I was just thinking there are people who have sight but no vision. You don't have sight, but you've got this God-sized vision. Well, it is. <laughs> you know? yeah. This is pretty exciting. Amen. It is. And as God shows us something to do, we don't know how it's going to happen. And yet we come back and share his story. And God's speaking to people here or somewhere else. He's already spoken to them. And this is the venue that they were looking for, someone they could care for and love on. We're just so blessed by what God is doing. And so we don't want to get in God's way. We want to walk alongside him. And he's allowed us to do that. Time is slipping away, but I've got to briefly just mention real quickly, Two Minutes to Trust God. That's the daily teachings from the Bible you can get on the website when you go to onewithgod.website to get that. You can also learn about buying bargain, nicely used putters, golf putters. <laughs> this is incredible. Never heard anything. This is the most innovative thing. That doing this will help feed orphans in Africa. Yeah. You have a collection of putters on your website. How does it work? A friend of mine who we met here, and he said, I've got these putters and they're no use to me. Can you sell them and raise money for your ministry? So I said, well, let's try it. <laughs> so we sold 12 of the 26 so far, and our goal is to help build a church out of this money. So anyway, it's one of those gifts. And then another opportunity we have is February 21st at Cedar Hall. We have a wonderful meal, prime rib dinner there, and we have a Christian comedian, Cyrus Steele from Atlanta, who has been on TV and different competitions and such, who's coming to just offer us some good humor. So a good evening, a Christian fun on February 21st That's at Cedar birthday. Hall. my birthday. Maybe it it's is. the time to well, celebrate. Hey, yeah. come celebrate with us. We'd love to have you there. But the purpose of that is to help raise funds for the children in Ghana. Yeah. James, we didn't even have a chance to talk about the trip to Mongolia last year, too. I mean, that's a whole other thing. You know, it's, you're going to have to come back well, you know, to, yeah. to be is, able to continue talking remarkable about Mongolia. this. Yeah, yeah. But again, thank you so much for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom well, through the work of One With God Ministries. Thank you. Bob, Barb, thank you yes. so much. And friends, don't forget, go to the website, onewithgod.website, onewithgod.website. That's the actual place you can go and get a wealth of information, see the pictures. You can actually make financial contributions to the work, too, and help support this wonderful work it's doing, again, as they bring Bible teachings to these impoverished pastors, church leaders, and help take care of these orphans, too. So that's what the church is mandated to do. We appreciate you taking time to stop by on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.